boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys. It's Binge Boys, where we talk about the programs that are streaming. Hi, I'm Hal Rudnick, and sitting across from me on Zoom, holding his cute little Chihuahua taco, is Lon Harris. Only uh, Lon. only half, only half Chihuahua. He's half Pomeranian. Oh, they, uh, they very call, nice. They you know, call him a Chipom. Chipom. Gotcha, Chipom. Oh, I don't know uh, Millie's genealogy. Like, I would guess, I could make a guess, like like a... Uh, uh, a Maltese or something, but um, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna go sad, middle aged, uh, childless man on you here and tell you that I actually had one of those doggy DNA tests done. That's how I know. Gotcha. Because I just adopted um, Taco. I don't know where he comes from or what his story is. Uh, but yeah, embark. You can uh, pay a little money and you swab their mouth. They don't like it very much, and then. Uh, you get a, a readout with his breed and all sorts of other information. They send me emails when they figure out like he's got a cousin. It's a it's a whole thing. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, but then uh, these uh, th- these big corporate conglomerates have your dog's DNA. Who know what's who knows what they're going to do yeah, with who it? Who knows what nefarious things they're going to do with Taco's DNA? They could they just could like clone- the Mormons who own twenty three and Me. They have they have everybody's DNA. Have you ever have you ever done one of those DNA tests? No, um, I don't uh, care. Like I know, I get it. Like there's a whole bunch of Jews. Uh, a lot of them <laughs> were from Ukraine. Some were from Hungary. Some maybe from another place between Ukraine and Hungary. Uh, they that they lived in villages. Uh, sure, I'm similarly looked, from the Eastern European yeah, Jewish diaspora. Like, like I, is there? I, I I don't know. Like maybe like it's just coming from like an ethnic community as I do and grow. Like I feel like I know exactly what my ancestors were like like 500 years ago. Like I don't know. There's really no mystery there. Like they were speaking a different language. They were complaining about slightly different things. Uh, probably still bowel oriented a lot of the time. Like, yeah, there's no Boy, real mystery I had a about good bowel that movement for me. in three days. Yeah, but right, but it was like Yiddish or Slavic or whatever. Um, but yeah, like I don't know. Like I guess I I I don't. I feel like that is a that's like a Goyim thing. Like that's like a that's like a waspy European. Like you're you're gonna trace yourself back to like Louis the Fourteenth or some shit. Like, yeah, I just don't have that at all. <laughs> or, you know, s- someone who maybe uh, is uh, an, an orphan, per se, or or something. I might want to, uh, you know, trace back. Or someone who doesn't know as much, I think. Right, no, I, like, I can get being a person who you want to, like, unlock your ancestry and the mystery of who you are, whatever. I just, for me, it's like a guy who looks very much like me, probably a little messier, uh, probably in a little better shape because he's doing more labor. He's got a wheelbarrow. Uh, you know, yes. like Lon, I, I could trace you back to Robin Williams as Jacob the Liar, and then and then and then a little further, I can trace you back to Topol. Yeah, in we, Fiddler we've all on the seen roof. Fiddler. We know what this was all about. We we get it. I think right. Those are and, um, and, and then and then take that. I'm a direct descendant of Yentl. And right, and just take that and then go back several thousand years and like nothing. If, if you're listening, chime in with famous Jewish characters that you know. Yeah, but we've, we've really hit almost all of them. 
Yeah, it's it's Jacob the liar, it's Jacob Topol, the liar, and Yentl. And yeah, that's it. Five well, Mouskowitz, that's the last oh, one. Yes, Five Mouskowitz, who um, I wish I was related to. Yeah. Uh, get some of that Don Bluth dollars. <laughs> Finally, my whole childhood, no Jewish cartoon characters. They're all celebrating Christmas. Finally, we get a mm-hmm. movie about Jewish cartoons and their rodents. Come on, Don Bluth. Yeah. Oh, by the way, to all you anti-Semites out there, uh, Scrooge McDuck, not Jewish, Irish. He's McDuck. Yeah. All right. Scottish, I believe. Scottish. I believe he's Scottish. Sorry to my friends over in the British Isles. Yeah, he's got a brogue. David oh, Tennant. Before... David Tennant's doing the voice. He's a, he's a Scot. Ah, got Oh, <laughs> really? Yeah. Or is that a joke? No, oh. that's all true. David Tennant does the voice of Scrooge McDuck on the new DuckTales. David Tennant is Scottish. Therefore, Scrooge McDuck, also Scottish. That's where I'm going. I'll buy it. I'll buy it. All those, all of that is real information. Speaking of ducks, can't mention ducks without mentioning owls. Hoot hoot to Owl Nation out there. Lon, let's jump into the Golden Globe nominations yeah, came Globes. out. So much uh, mank. Today. Mank Ooh, everywhere. All yeah. mank everything. And you know I love me some mank. Oh, David my Fincher's God. mank. I, uh, I am firmly in the camp that uh, thinks it's uh, an achievement. It's uh, one of the best films of the year, and I think it ranks up there in David Fincher's filmography. Wow, they highly rank Mank. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mank kind of stank, I thought. <laughs> oh, what? I mean, are you pulling a, are you pulling a prank when no. you talk about Mank? <laughs> uh, I just, I mean, wow, I did not see that coming. I honestly thought Mank kind of came, like, it had a lot of hype, and then it kind of came and went. I did not know if it was going to be, like, the, the darling of the awards season, but here we are. Uh, and the Globes are in the tank for Mank. Um, yeah, and, you know, you could say that Hollywood loves to pat itself on the back, and this is like an homage to the golden era. And Yeah, uh, I would say that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and especially, uh, I mean, the th- one of the things I love about it, I don't want to, you know, relitigate Lank, Mank, but... You do. Uh, yeah, on, a, uh, on a deep down, I do. I Listen, do. I, al- I always want to... You um, do want to relitigate Mank, but I don't but think the, No, the thing I, I don't, um, you know... The the way it was filmed uh, and giving it the feel and texture of a film of that era on top of being uh, a well-told story, I think, makes it just um, a double threat there. I will tell you my really well favorite done. thing about Mank mm-hmm. was the jokes. We got we got a good month and a half of just oh, making fun so of many. this title. I mean, just so many rhymes. Yeah, so many that, rhymes. That I enjoyed. Uh, really, I'm upset that Mank took the spot that should have gone to Spike Lee's The Five Bloods. Or I say The Five Bloods because it's a white person. No, but d- dude, dude, it, 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 the title is, the title is The Five Bloods. I know, Bloods. listen, I know so it is. That's it's why not I like you're appropriating culture or you're doing so, like some sort of um, like horrific uh, it, it's true. exploitative That's what, accent. It's it's Spike's joint, and that's what he tells us to call it. And so, listen, what am I going to do? He he puts me in this situation every time he makes an acclaimed film, which is often because he's a talented filmmaker. But it's also, there's always like a weird pronunciation issue. It's always like, do I say this third K in Black Klansman? How am I dealing with this? He loves to, he plays around with his typography. Oh, yeah. Or, or like, do you pronounce it like Billy Joel, like that Billy Joel song, Heart Attack? Black Klansman. Klansman, yes. No, but I thought that was easily one of the best movies of the year. Delroy Lindo, not nominated for his brilliant leading actor turn in that film. 
Uh, I, I was thought really... Del- Delroy Lindo was excellent, and he's put together the body of work. It would have been nice to uh, honor this guy. Uh, yeah, really. And uh, so that that really surprised me. And that's Buck going to Mank. I'll be honest; it kind of it kind of rubbed me the wrong. But here, but here's the thing. I mean, maybe we jettison uh, the father. I mean, I, this Anthony we seen Hopkins it, baby. movie. Maybe it's great. You don't know. Maybe it's great, but uh, you know, Anthony Hopkins. He's he's been lauded enough, hasn't Anthony? Hasn't Sir Anthony Hopkins been lauded quite enough? One half of the two popes. I mean, come on. What, how, it doesn't get any more lauded than that. Right? The pope. He's our cinematic pope. Mm-hmm. That's number one. He's sharing. Enjoyed He's sharing it with Jonathan Price. But you, know, you yes. get what I mean. Yes. Uh, also, uh, speaking of snubs, as I always am, mm-hmm. uh, I May Destroy You, the HBO show, one of my favorite shows of last year for sure, uh, Michaela Cole's uh, really striking. It's it's a very intense drama about the trauma of sexual assault in the aftermath, but it was also sort of like darkly comic, like slice of life. It was really well done, very balanced, really interesting show. I was surprised because it was so acclaimed all year, it seemed like a natural that it would find a spot. Uh, Better Call Saul also, year after year, Odenkirk's up for best actor, but that's it. No Rhea Seahorn. No uh, best drama. Uh, that's always one of those shows that I feel like, okay, this year people finally got on board, but it just doesn't seem to happen. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, uh, I think Better Call Saul uh, absolutely uh, deserved a little bit more recognition. I th- I found the TV drama category a, a little bit lacking this year. Uh, I'm just not a huge Crown guy. Like I didn't, I couldn't get into the Crown. And, uh, and, and like, so that's like everybody's favorite show du jour, especially now that Succession took a year off. Now, I consider The Mandalorian, I love The Mandalorian, but I consider that a little bit more of a popcorn show. I, I mean, is that best series drama? I don't mind The Mandalorian. There's always like that, there's always that spot for like, it's a beloved pop culture show and we're on board, we're going to give it awards. It's like the Game of Thrones spot, you know? right. So I, mean, I feel like Mando's in that in that now, and that's I get it. That's that's fine. You gotta have. Don't, it. I mean, I, I I don't you know I'm probably engendering the rage of our fans, but I'm not sure about uh, Mandalorian. Also, Ratchet Ratchet just seems like so out there and stylized, dumb. and uh, <laughs> it was just like yeah. I didn't hate it, but it was it was a dumb show. Like that's the one I feel like you, you it's disposable. I know they love Ryan Murphy, but. Um, the, uh, man, I forget the actor's name, but, uh, from Ozark, uh, I would have loved to have seen a supporting actor, uh, nomination for the, the guy who played Laura Linney's brother. He, he had one of the, yeah, Tom Perf, Perfrey, or I'm going to look it up right now, but it's something Pelfrey, Tom Pelfrey. Yeah. Um, he was, uh, fantastic. Uh, oh, and wasn't he in Mank? He was in Mank. You're right. Yeah, he, also, he played uh, Mank's brother. I think. Show, yes, he did. He showed up in Mank. Uh, uh, a few more notes on the Globes before we move on. Sasha Baron Cohen nominated for three Golden Globes this year overall because uh, he's up for uh, as a producer of Borat too. But he's up for two different acting awards. He's up for best actor in a drama for, or uh, he's up for best actor in a comedy for Borat subsequent movie film, and he's up for best supporting actor in a drama. Or the trial of the Chicago Seven, huge year for Borat. Yeah, I, I love Borat. Uh, I, I we we talked about it here on the yeah. on this show, and I would 
I would love to see Borat 2 nominated for an Academy Award. I don't know if that'll ever happen. I mean, I, we, we could be looking at at least, uh, you know, one or two nods in sort of maybe performance categories because Maria Bakalova, uh, who plays uh, his daughter, Borat's daughter, also nominated uh, for the Globes this year. Yeah, I mean, she, she came in, uh, stood toe-to-toe uh, with Sasha Baron Cohen, uh, you know, um, hammering home that comedy, and also fought off the advances of a wily Rudy Giuliani. Yeah, really. Right, that's, I mean, I do feel like you kind of have to give her a few bonus points, like, all these other people are just acting on, like, a set. There's no danger. It's not like a real-world scenario. She's not only acting... But she's like pulling off this stunt in real time while she's doing it. I feel like you got to get bonus points. She was staring down the barrel of America's mayor yeah, right, right there. Yeah, I, I feel like <laughs> who can compete with that? Like how could, how could regular acting possibly compete with that? Uh, and then last note on the Globes before we jump uh, past this other stuff. Uh, three out of the five nominees for directing this year are lady directors. Emerald Fennell. For Promising Young Woman, Chloe Zhao for Nomadland, Regina King for we reviewed it on this very podcast, One Night in Miami. Uh, a real, a real uh, milestone year for for women directors. It's nice to see it last, at long last. Yeah. One Night in Miami. We, we, yeah, we talked about that here, and uh, Leslie Odom was the only actor right. nominated from of that the, movie. I think four. you could. Yeah, I think you could have nominated um, really any of those four leads. They, they uh, such strong performances throughout. And yeah, um, what a great uh, effort by Regina King. So that's great to see. I'm just glad that finally in 2020, we let women make movies. And so now there's some to nominate. Like, I don't know why, I don't know how it took us this long to figure that out. Like, oh, we can, we can nominate more <laughs> movies directed by women. We just let them make some. We should just let them make some. But they still get paid 70 cents on the dollar. Right, well, and with good cause. Oh. No, I, I, that's ridiculous. There's no, that, that, I don't mean that. Yes, and, uh, you know, hopefully uh, the wages are fair. 82 and... cents on the dollar for a man at least. That's what you're worth, ladies. Not a cent <laughs> less. Uh, but, yeah, it, it's good to see, uh, you know, maybe what Francis McDormand said uh, and those uh, inclusion riders are uh, being... Uh, activated that much more. If you remember, she said that at the Oscars a few years ago when she accepted her three billboards award. Three billboards, jeez. Thanks for reminding me. That that (laughs) classic, all the time, you're talking to people and they're like, remember, well, it's just like in three billboards. You're like, oh, three billboards, that movie that's part of our national conversation that we all bring up all the time because it's so memorable and well done. (laughs) <laughs> Lon definitely wasn't right back then when he was like, this is a weird, bad movie that you guys are all celebrating for no good reason. I, I, my, my feelings were a little bit mixed on that movie. Uh, so, Lon... <laughs> my feelings were mixed between this sucks and like, ugh, why does this suck so bad? I kept going back and forth between those two. Yeah, mine was between, uh, you know, good performances and some, uh, and some fine writing, because I like that uh, director, uh, but... Uh, yeah, no, I really like uh, In Bruges and Seven Psychopaths. This one is just a misfire, and it's the one that got all the award attention. It's really weird. No, but I, I liked a lot about Three Billboards, but then I thought a lot of it was cliche and kind of stereotyped about people and America. Yeah. 
I liked the first billboard. Wasn't sure about the second one. Not a fan of billboard number three. Yep, they should have stopped at the if it was called one billboard outside. Oh, I, and I just remembered three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri. Yeah, Ebbing, Missouri. That's right. Don't as opposed to all those other three billboards outside of. No, but I didn't remember the town. It's I didn't a franchise. Remember the, t- the three billboards outside of franchise. You know what? It should have been one billboard and then the second billboard. Three movies. I think each each billboard deserved its own movie. <laughs> Should have quit after that first billboard. Yep. I mean, it was like The Hobbit. It was like The Hobbit. It could have all been one billboard. One billboard. <laughs> Let's move on. Uh, Ryan Coogler signed a fight. Oh, yes. The Coog. Black, Black Panther director. The Coog, as I call him. We go way back. Uh, he signed a five-year overall deal with Disney. Now, this is just with Walt Disney TV. This is not with Disney+. Plus. So he could make shows for ABC, he could make shows for Hulu, he could do a show for FX, any network that that Walt Disney owns, basically. Uh, But the first show that he's making... ESPN? Potentially could, yeah, he could do a 30 for 30. Don't, you don't know. You don't know the goods. You don't know his interests. Anyway, uh, the first show, we do know what it's going to be. It's going to be a Disney Plus series, and it is going to be something about the kingdom of Wakanda, the setting for the Black Panther series. Uh, there's a lot to unpack there because the, the 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 technology and like the the futuristic city like that's some really rad stuff. And I, I feel like there's a million ways you could go with like a Wakanda show because like they're just opening up like they at the end of Black Panther the movie they've told the world about Wakanda and are opening up so you could do well now there's going to be like a political show like well Wakanda's part of the world now and has to diplomacy and spying and negotiating and all of those things. Or you could do something about the tribes. You know, there's all those different tribes that make up the the government of Wakanda and, like, how they all relate to each other. Yep, and I'll tell you one thing's for certain. People want that vibranium. Yeah, you're right. They're right. Yeah, there's all the sci-fi and the tech aspects of it with the vibranium uh, and, like, arms dealers and people trying to get at it and, and you know, all, all the things that's going on there. The Dora Milaje, they've got all these spies. They're war dogs all over the world. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like there's sort was it, of— Was no- Andy Serkis's character one of those guys? No, he's one of the arms dealers who he broke into Wakanda and stole a bunch of vibranium. That's sort yeah, of the backstory. He's dead now. Uh, mm-hmm. Theoretically. I mean, we, 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 we haven't seen, like, his corpse. They could theoretically bring No, him. but he, uh, Michael B. Jordan dragged his corpse in there. It looks like Michael B. Jordan shoots him in, in Black Panther, correct. But it's off-screen enough that I think you could infer that he survives if you really What? Want. Then what was in there? A mannequin? In where? Who was... Doesn't who, he just shoot him on the airfield? I could be wrong about that. No, this. but then he dragged his... He brought his corpse or his head oh, or something. Oh, you're right. I forgot. He does bring the body with him to Wakanda. Ah, well, there goes that theory. Yeah, or, or who... I mean, unless... Maybe uh, they switched bodies, Hal. You don't know. Maybe I mean you, you wouldn't can't put anything past the MCU. Maybe this is the show. It's you bringing. We're bringing Ulysses Claw. He's the six million dollar man now. <laughs> bringing bringing Claw back. He's, it's a new Claw. So anyway, that's that's interesting, and it's also interesting that it's going to be they're making a Black Panther two, and we don't know what that's going to be. We know they're not recasting the role, so it's going to be something not T'Challa oriented. At Black mm-hmm. Panther two. Uh, and we're going to have this Wakanda series. My guess is they will interact in some significant way. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that would make sense. Right. So, like, whatever the, the, the show will help launch the movie or vice versa. Uh, lastly, in the news, before we move on to stuff we watched, Amy Poehler has a new Netflix movie coming out called Moxie. Uh, the setup makes me feel very old indeed. It's like she's a mom and she teaches her teenage daughter about 90s riot girl culture. And her teenage daughter is inspired to like make an alt zine with her friends at school and like gets very into that whole scene. And it's like, it's just tough to see your own high school era. Yeah. So, so we, we are talking girls. We are talking girls in um, like plaid skirts, fishnets, and combat boots. We're like uh, just like riot girl, like G R R R R R L. Right. Which was, I mean, and uh, look, this was like the culture. Like, I, there, I didn't know that many people who I would have considered riot girls in the era. I don't mean to like place myself at the epicenter of this movement or anything. Yeah, I would say riot girl was like came like was on the heels of grunge like right after that and like the alternative scene yeah right it's like the early mid 90s i feel like was the heyday yeah right l7 l7 would they be riot girls tank girl that that era in pop culture correct tank girl Lori petty yep Lori petty and tank girl definitely had a riot girl aesthetic so that's that but just to see it because obviously that that stuff was getting commodified even in its own era. But now to go back all these decades later and we're like reanimating this corpse, like, huh, remember Riot Girls? Remember the 90s? It's like, oh, God, I'm so old now. Because when I was a kid, this was... Yeah, but they do it all the well, time. Well, this is Wait, what they, they were doing they... to hippie culture when I was a kid. Like, when I was a kid, it was like yeah. group people and, you know, bell-bottom saying groovy was the pop culture thing they were goofing on for the past. Mm-hmm. Well... Back to the Future, when that was made, uh, Michael J. Fox went back 30 years. So I think 1988 back to 1958. And nope, it's 85 to 55. Oh, 85 to 55. Um, apologies. Uh, so, but. And then forward to 2015 in part two. But like, so if, if we went back from uh, 20, like going back to 1991 right now, back to the, that, that seems like. Not that. Right, well, because in 2015, that's when they were saying if you made Back to the Future now, you'd go back to the original setting. And I mean, like, look, when you get old, everything makes you feel old. Like, I have that feeling every day where it's like, oh, God, uh, oh, this turned 30, I'm so old. But, like, this one in particular, I don't know. So think about, it's so specific. It's like, really remember this thing that was important and significant to people when you were a kid, and now it is just completely this like abstract symbol of a bygone age, you know? Right. But like, there is something there. I will say there is something cool about riot girls in as much as I, I like their, the attitude of riot girls. It's very much fuck the patriarchy. It's very much like, uh, we're not going to fit into this socialized norm. Yeah, this well, box it's also that, like, like so it, the stuff they were cool. espousing in the nineties is just what everybody from Gen Z thinks today. Like it's like, obviously they were ahead of the time because now you could write a riot girl manifesto and people would be like, yeah, what well, is this from your Tumblr? Like, obviously all that's true. You know, like that's like, they were, they were ahead. So, you know, like was, was Courtney love a riot girl? I don't know. I think that was also, there was like also that heroin chic trend in the 90s. Like they were kind of parallel. Yeah, gaunt, I feel like a, a she, gaunt, hollow eyed kid. Yeah, mouse. I feel like she was more on that side of things. But I, I mean, I, obviously there's a, there's an aggression to whole and some of that stuff. I wouldn't say it's totally divorced. 
Welcome back to the Riot Girl Hour, folks. We're just yes. You, you can read Lon's upcoming expose or and uh, s- essay series from Riot Girls to Heroin Chic coming out from Penguin Books. Yeah, subscribe to my alt zine as soon as I'm done photocopying it at Kinko's. Everybody, uh, that's it for the news. How? That's all I got. That's all I have. Lon, thank you. That oh, that's you know what? That's that's plenty. That's plenty. So uh, that's we too much. <laughs> Some people say too much. Lon, honestly, that was way too much news. I thought, fuck you, you're wasting everybody's valuable time. Lon, pump the brakes, too much news. Let's jump into some stuff we watched. Uh, The big release this past weekend, The Little Things dropped on HBO Max because all Warner Brothers movies will be uh, uh, dropping on HBO Max. So I was so excited about this movie, and I was so excited while I was watching the first half of this movie, and then I started to realize, oh, not enough is it's happening. It's bad. Uh, here's the thing. This movie has three actors, all of whom like Oscar-winning, like esteemed. Tro- they're trophies on yeah. mantles. These guys have trophies on their and mantles. Yet, oddly, I think the only good performance in the entire movie is Denzel Washington, and certainly of those main three. Like, like I, I, I don't know what. I don't know what Jared Leto's doing. We could talk about that. That feels like its own segment. But Rami Malek... I have a couple of thoughts on that, but I, I, I got to agree with Denzel. He he really... Like, the thing about that character, it it felt, like, really age-appropriate. It felt like this guy who's best, like, you know, his prime is behind he's, him. He's real good at that. That specifically, because the equalizer, too, Denzel's bringing that world-weary energy... And he's, he's very good at protecting it. He's terrific in this. Like, if you take everything out of the movie, like, he's giving a very good performance, uh, honestly. Uh, it's shocking to me that Jared Leto is nominated for a Golden Globe for this and not Denzel. If you wanted to award this movie anything, it's clearly that Denzel performance. Um, yeah, so Jared Leto, we'll talk about it. I want to put that to one side. Because what is Rami Malek doing? He's giving every line gets the same delivery, and it's the delivery he used in that creepy hotel ad where he's like, I'm a fan of walking. I'm a fan oh, yeah. of gift bags. Uh, mm, I like uh, kisses. I'm a fan of <laughs> jelly beads, especially the butterfly kisses with your eyelashes. Yeah, like he's barely emoting. Like it's a, but it's it's intentional. Like it's not like just bad actor doesn't know what to do, Bert. Like he's doing a thing where it's like he doesn't care about the thing that he's saying, and it's bizarre. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to, you know. Listen, I'm not one. I, I, I should not be uh, making fun of anyone else's appearance. N- none of us should be doing that. But he, the his um, like I thought he only had big teeth in. Uh, he was wearing uh, fake teeth uh, in Freddie Bohemian Mercury, Rhapsody. Yeah. yeah, in Bohemian Rhapsody. But like, it, it's like the he his teeth were protruding. It seemed like he was sucking his cheeks. The whole time, and he just had this far off look. He's making he's making a lot of weird choices, and it's just it's very like small, like it's very like you could forget he's there. It's like I don't know what he's there. Jared Leto's going the entire other way and making like a twelve course meal of the scenery. Did you, he's wearing a fat suit in this for some reason? Oh, he, he had, yeah, he had a little uh, he had a little pot belly. <laughs> Yeah, he's but it's it's like he's he's got like a gut. He's he's got a he's doing a really crazy voice. He's doing weird stuff with his mouth and his eyes. It's like a million choices. I don't know. I like 
the movie's also I, I don't want to blow too much of it. Like I don't want to give the ending away. But it, it goes to a, a, a gross place. Like it starts off pretty pretty standard procedural thriller, like they're cops and they're looking for this maybe it's a serial killer, maybe it's two different perps that they're looking for. Uh, and it like it's going along all right for a while. And then it goes to this place where it seems to be kind of making a case for like, hey, sometimes cops got to break the law and take things into their own hands. And like, what is life? You know, that's just how it goes on the mean streets of L.A. And it was like it gets kind of to a place that I found not not really cool. Like, I just I don't I don't agree with the point of view of this movie. Yeah. I mean, I just felt like it didn't stand it, it didn't like stake its claim as like unique enough in the world of like serial killer fair and tr- and with all the true crime we have out here and i i found it was really underwhelming and i it started off promising i thought the most scary scene in the movie though was that opening scene the the, the opening scene on the road like that was there was kind of a, a, a frightening back and forth happening there. Yeah, and then I uh, I don't it, I don't know I, I it, it's I, I don't, like well, I think that's uh, that's a lot of sounds. I didn't say anything just there, folks. But those sounds express my ambivalence about the experience of watching the little things. And I just I don't like it. Just felt it, it was written a long time ago. Like John Lee Hancock, he's the guy who did The Blind Side. He wrote and directed this, but he wrote it a long time ago, and he's been trying to get it made for forever. And it felt like that. It felt like out of step with today, and it felt like uh, a movie about you know like kind of throwing up your hands at the end of the day and being like, "That's the mean streets, and this is what life is about today." And I'm like, I don't know if I agree with you, John Lee Hancock. Well, and John Lee Hancock, if if you check out his filmography, I mean, there's a lot of stuff. It, it's very. We're going to address this segment of the show directly to John Lee Hancock. So the rest of it's you. It's very by the numbers. Uh, I mean, just also, like, if you're going to cast Jared Leto, and I'm not saying don't. I am. But I'm not saying you can't. I'm just saying if you're going to, you got to watch that guy. He's going to try to go over the top, and you got to be like, Jared, love it. Love what you're doing. Everything's brilliant. Can you give me a little less? Can you pull it back a little bit? Like, just to try it. Just try it out. I feel like you need to have a little of that energy with, with your Leto. Because otherwise, he's just going to be all over the place, jumping off the walls. And- uh, oh, so, uh, yeah, The Blind Side, Saving Mr. Banks, The Founder. It's kind of just like... I do. I will say, I will interrupt you to say I kind of like The Founder. I think the out of all those that you mentioned, The Founder is by far, I think, the strongest. The Rookie. Oh, I mean, just like... <laughs> and. A lot of just like feel good. I don't know this. This does not feel good, but it feels bad in a way that I don't like. <laughs> Make me feel bad in an approved way. I didn't think that Jared, like I didn't mind his performance, but we didn't have a kind of, uh, there wasn't like an MO for this killer. Right. Well, that's, I mean, and look, we don't know. Again, I don't want to give away too much. There wasn't anything special about it. And the final, the, there's a climactic scene between him and Rami Malek, and I'm not going to give away what happens, but I was, like, I was dumbfounded and crestfallen when that scene was, I was like, wait, that was, that, that's it? Well, that's I, where we're yeah, kind of... I just feel like it's not really a character. He's just 
that guy exists in this movie to be despicable. Like, we need somebody for these detectives to, like, hate, and we need somebody for the audience to be like, Ugh, I don't trust this guy. And then, Yeah, he is a little bit too of a on-the-nose exactly. And that's what bag. that's what he's giving us instead of a character. Like, and I'm not saying there aren't just, like, shitty, evil guys. Like, of course there are. Like, some people, that is their MO in life, is like, I just want to repulse you and make you think I'm horrible. But, like... You still mm-hmm. gotta Yeah, I'm a real edge You still gotta like give me that. It's gotta feel motivated. It's gotta feel real. And this guy just feels like Jared Leto being as awful as he can possibly think of a way to be and being gross. And like and it also tilts the movie because it's like, well, yeah, you're it's an extreme example. Like, yes, like what if the guy who did the killings was the worst guy on planet Earth? But isn't it more interesting to mix it up a little bit? I don't know. Yeah. It, it, but it, yeah, it just felt a little bit, it hit these cliches. It was very much like, like it wanted to be seven, you know? Yeah. Right, we had some big problems with the little things. That's my gene, that's my gene shallot. Oh, one more thing that confused me. Did you get confused at all by the names of all the victims when they brought up like, oh, what what about Mary Murphy? Or And I'm like, wait, which one was yeah, well, that? It, you brought up Seven, which is another movie that does this, although Seven does it more elegantly. But both movies are, they're about cops. It's about a mystery being solved, but there really isn't a lot of mystery solving. There's not a lot of clues. There's not a lot of detail. And so, yeah, I think what you're picking up is like, the movie's kind of pretending that it's about this procedural investigation, but we really don't dig into the details. It's mostly just getting Jared Leto in front of them so they can be like, oh, I don't trust this guy. He's a bad guy. Yeah, and the difference between that and He got a boner when we showed him the murder photos. He's a bad man. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i mean you know that is there's a great line of dialogue where denzel uh notices oh that, yeah you got a boat what, what you got a boner <laughs> <laughs> it's like i'm showing you these crap scene photos and your dick's harder than chinese arithmetic i believe is the line. so good uh that, i mean yeah. denzel was good but yeah comparing the- oh denzel nails this denzel is fantastic in this movie it's a, the equalizer too i also felt the same way like a mediocre movie like all right it is what it is Denzel giving 100%, like, in it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely in it. Oh, yeah. Like, I think you and I um, have the hot take that Denzel can act. You heard it here first, folks. Denzel Washington is a good actor. One mention of someone, I know we're going on about this movie, but someone that I really like, who I enjoy seeing pop up in any movie, a character actor, this actress, uh, name, her, her name is Michael Hyatt. Uh, she's um, uh, she's a British actor, and she plays a cop in almost every movie. And she works in the coroner's office. And she she was a cop in Nightcrawler. She I've seen her as a cop in like in at least three movies. I always enjoy seeing this woman. Um, she brings just a, a like a, a gravitas and an authenticity to what she does. Uh, I, I I really appreciate uh, the character actor Michael Hyatt and. Uh, yeah, this is uh, tried to be seven, but it <laughs> turned out to be five. More like a three. More like a three. Uh, the Little Things on HBO Max. Coming up, we're going to talk about a documentary new to Apple TV, Boys State. Lon. We both watched Boys State. Now, I know you saw this last year because this is when the film came out, but uh, it's uh, new to Apple it's TV. It's not. It was uh, that last year on Apple TV. You, you, 
It's new to you, Hal. I tried to tell you when we were planning this episode that this is not new content. It's all right. We can still talk about it. But no, this... this. Are, but are you I'm sure positive. it was... I, I it saw this on, on Apple TV. TV. I watched this on Apple TV. Gotcha. So, but um, maybe it's new to some of our audience. And I... Uh, you know what? This This movie, it's a really interesting microcosm of some of the issues that this country's going through right now. Uh, just a little background on Boys State. I guess the American Legion and, uh, you know, veterans, VFW, veterans of foreign wars, they put together throughout the country these get-togethers of teenage boys. And then there's also one for teenage girls uh, called Girls State, but where teenage boys uh, in Boys State get together to create these um, little uh, fiefdom governments, and they go through the machinations of what it takes to get a pl- to build a political party's platform, to nominate uh, people for office, and they go through this process of electing uh, various positions in the government, any uh, up from um, local townships to the top position in these local governments, which is a, a gubernatorial election. And uh, gov- and we focus on the race for governor at this boys' state that takes place in Texas. Indeed. Yeah, so just a, that's a little background behind it. And, the, man, it, it, it is uh, some, I found it to be some fascinating stuff. And you meet these characters, and the way the, the, pol- the politics of today resonate, I mean... You know, whatever side of the aisle you're on, you'll you'll pick your favorites, and you'll uh, you'll you know. So if you if you're a bleeding heart liberal, or if you're a or if you're a, uh, you know a real uh, you know um, God and guns type of uh, person, wh- whatever it is, you'll you'll find someone to uh, uh, you'll you'll find a horse in this race. Uh, yeah, this, it, they, they uh, I enjoyed this because I think they skirt the line perfectly between like it's a real documentary, like it's a real film, and you really get insight into these people. And it does have things to say about politics and about our our society, but also about growing up and coming of age. But it is also just reality show. Like 50% of the enjoyment of this movie is exactly the same as you get from reality TV. Where like there's heroic characters that you like and are charmed by and there's shit heels that you hate and you want to see them go down in flames. And they know that. And it's, it's edited and put together in a way that really does have a lot of that drama. And like it is compelling in the way that a reality competition like like i didn't feel like this was all that different from like getting into a season of hell's kitchen as much as it also does have things to say like i don't mean that it's cheesy or it's lame but uh yeah but it has that it has that motor like when we talk about 30 coins that horror show where it's it's just got a motor it's just like compelling you just like i want to see what happens next and this is like funny and interesting and i want to get to know these people and like that's what boy state felt like to me it's just like the perfect combination of insightfulness and entertainment value you know, yeah, once. it did have an urgency, like you know, w- w- when like you're building up to the big decision, when they're when like who's going to get the final rose. But I, I think it had a little bit in reality show, but uh, it did have a little bit more depth. I thought in like what it exposed about people. The, I mean, 
it, 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 it simultaneously, it'll give you hope and give you fear about the future of this country because there's definitely a mob mentality when you get all these folks together and they want to do oh, that just like red meat, just red meat to the base. And like, you know, I don't care about uh, anyone who has a different opinion than me. Uh, my opinion, that is it. But then we meet a couple of kids who've got real heart and it's like, wow. Um, I like that, that I would vote for that kid in a national election, even though he's like 17 years old, maybe not, but like there are some really impressive kids in this movie and also, yeah, some frightening stuff, just like the, the jingoistic screaming and trying to rile up kids with, uh, and the manipulation you don't like, it's pervasive. Like kids are already, you, you hear them in their, uh, in in their confessional moments, like, you know, a la reality show, that was very, you know, just like Lon was saying, some of the tropes of reality are, are used here, like uh, the confessionals. And they're like, huh, maybe in my political speech, I should have lied a little more or something like that. And it's like, they really have this blueprint of how to politic. Um, and they're they're smart beyond their years. Like this one guy says, you know what? I'll give this kid one thing. He was a good, he's a good politician. And I'm not saying that's a good thing. Just talking about how uh, manipulative it is. But, uh, you know, we meet some really cool characters uh, along the way. I, and I got to, you know, if you watch it, I'm a Steve and Renee guy. These two characters, Steve and Renee, um, I'm, I'm in there. I'm solidly in their camp. And uh, those, those kids I felt like were the future of America. And, uh, Yes, uh, the, I, um, uh, they, they really appeal to my um, libtarded sensibilities. Uh, I will also. <laughs> well, don't, no, we don't. We don't say we don't say the tarred word, even if you change the first prefix. Come on. Gotcha. Um, apologize. <laughs> uh, is is that verboten? Yeah, I, I don't want to. Well, you know, when they when they go. The, 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 listen, the, when they go low, I go yeah, lower. Okay. Fair okay? Enough, yeah. Uh, that, uh, the premier jeans oh. guy got so upset with you on Twitter this week. You're just gonna, you're just going oh, for yeah. hitting all the buttons. <laughs> you become a shock uh, jock. Oh, a little bit, a little bit. Oh, also, I, I would point out uh, the directors of this documentary. Uh, it's a duo: uh, McBain and Moss. McBain, McBain, <laughs> McBain. Um, they directed a film from 2014 that I thought was really good: uh, The Overnighters about the oil boom in North Dakota. And it's just, if you want to get depressed, but also watch, um, just uh, like see the curtain pulled back on uh, on like kind of a, an American story that, you know, we don't readily see. Uh, the Overnighters is is a fantastic documentary. I don't think I made that uh, connection. That, that was the same group of people. There you go. Right I on. something uh, Yeah. Lon, I'm always learning from you. Uh, the, <laughs> well, the, yeah, I'm just saying that doesn't usually go the other way. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, right. Um, but the the overnighter is really worth checking out. And Boys State, and I think did Boys State win at Sundance? It took it took a big prize. It took a big prize. <laughs> uh, what a major award! Uh, let me let me let me see. I I can look I can look that up. Yes, the film won the U.S. Documentary Competition Grand Jury Prize at the 2020 Sundance Film Festival. There you go. Uh, and uh, a, a major award yeah. like the you leg lamp. You think Tim Cook is just buying films willy-nilly that don't win major awards? 
That's not how Tim Cook plays. Come on. A.K.A. Tim Apple. You should know how Tim Apple goes. Uh, oh, and just one more thing. I think, you know, Lon, do you think this movie begs, uh, you know, a, the sequel, Girls' State? Do we, oh. I, I, I want to see. No, if we're going to do a sequel, Boys' State 2. I don't ever want to see Girls' State. That's my take. <laughs> oh, my Maybe God. after I mean, 10 Boys' State movies, then we could do, be like, Boys' State presents Girls' State. And you do it in, like, pink font with hearts in the back. That's what I. I guess that makes. I guess that take makes sense coming from a binge boy. That's. I I insisted, as you recall, when we first made the show, like it's called binge boys. At I think not only should we only have boys on the show, I think we only let boys listen. You talk me off of that ledge. (laughs) I'm I'm honestly, you know what? I'm still not sure it was the right call. You know what? Judging by our our, uh, I bet our demographic uh, is not that far off. Um, ju- ju- judging, judging from our uh, uh, most of our commenters. Oh yeah, now going from right. But, if it's uh, mostly my yeah. Twitter audience, then, yeah. <laughs> no, hey, but um, there's a few ladies sprinkled in. Come on, yeah, no, uh, ladies, if you're listening, we got your back. Thank you. Oh, I was going to say stop, um, but either way, no, please continue and go to go to iTunes and leave a review that says uh, this podcast is for everyone. Yeah. It's just ignore my listen. I it's casual misogyny, but it's I hope you can all tell it's it's very sarcastic. All right. Yes. Uh, you know, after hey, five boy state movies, you could do girl state. I would be okay with Lon that. Harris ally. So boys state uh, on Apple TV, not new to Apple TV. It's there. And uh, yeah, it's a really cool microcosm of what the of what is happening in the world right now. Uh, check it out. Well, what was happening in the world in August of last year when it came out? But close enough, almost. Oh, Lon. <laughs> Juan, you recommended a show to me that is on Hulu and uh, by way of ABC. And do I stand by this recommendation now that I've actually watched the show? I don't know. Let's find out. Not sure I do. So we're we're uh, we're going to talk Big Sky on Hulu. You could see the uh, the first season is up there, and uh, yeah, I would I would call this a um, hmm a, maybe a a. A weird, but in a different way, weird kind of um, a little bit sanitized version of Twin Peaks. I, I don't know about Twin Peaks. There's nothing surreal. Everything makes sense. That's has. I mean, it's dumb and weird. I here's the thing. Just, just that, that, just that. There's murder. Yeah. Murder in, in, uh, in murder a rural in community. Yeah. I, uh, I, um, you remember you watched Bly Manor, right? That haunting of Bly Manor. So. When you were watching that show, that that show had the pretense of Carla Gugino is at a wedding and she's just telling this story off the top of her head. But that story was so intricate with flashbacks and flash forwards and dream sequence. It was like, this would be a very complicated story to tell just off the cuff at a wedding. Big Sky really does feel like a story someone is telling you off the cuff. Like you're at a bar, maybe in Montana, and you're sitting next to a guy and he's like, I got a story to tell you. So these girls are on a road trip and they're in Montana and then there's this guy. Okay, hang on. There's also this state trooper, and he's he's involved with some other. Hang on, I forgot about the ex cop. So there's an ex cop and his wife. Like that's what the show feels like. It's like you're like, wait, hang on. Who, who is that? Like what's going on with this guy? And like 
usually when like every time I would go into a meeting and a development executive would be like, Lon, you seem great, but we're not going to, we're not interested in your pilot. There were like rules for a pilot. Like by the end of the pilot, you're supposed to like know what the show is going to be. And by the end of this pilot, I had no fuck. I'm seven episodes into Big Sky. I have no fucking idea what the show is about. Like, it seems like it's telling a self-contained story that's about to end and has been about to end since like episode three. Absolutely. It's it's like this kidnapping and these two morons do it. And then there's these very smart investigators looking for the morons. And you're like, they're just going to find the morons. And then shows like, yes, yes, they do. Yeah, it's like unlike, you know, for example, Breaking Bad, there are a series of adventures and hurdles and things that the characters go through and traverse throughout. And there's like an episode and a half of Big Sky where you think it's going to be that. It's like, okay, it seems obvious that this guy did it, but he's going to like figure out a way to like throw like our Dexter. Like, it seems like this guy's going to get caught, but then he's going to like slip the noose a bunch of times. But then it doesn't. It's like, no, they're just idiots and they're going to get caught right away. They're obviously in way over their heads. But yeah, and it's it's this very self-contained uh, series of events. Yeah. And it's I've like never the, watched the, a show uh, like this before where I'm watching, not because I want to find out what happens, although I do in a weird, twisted way. It's so weird. I'm watching to find out, like, like how are they going to keep making this a real show? Like, like what what is this? Like, what? how how is this a show? Yeah, and th- there are intermittently here things that I like and things that I'm like, what? Like, I don't know. You know, do I need to see these three kidnapped women in a, in a cargo, in, in a, in a cargo uh, container in a shipping c- crate uh, b- being held captive? It just seems a little bit exploitative. It's just like happening to happen. You know, it's like, you know, some of the characters are just quirky enough where it's like okay, like th- th- there's one, there's one creep. His relationship with his mother is, um, you know, it's like Norman Bates light. Uh, but but right, yeah, but it just it doesn't but, but seem it's like, like there's why do we like so many well, earth- why do we need to why do we need to exploit this violence against women? It's it's a little. It's it's a little on the nose with that shit. I just, it, usually a show like this, like the early episodes would be like setting up all of these threads that you're going to then like tighten and pull together at the end of the season. This like resolves everything so quickly. It's just like where, like it would be like if you had a show and the, like if they had gotten rescued from the Lost Island after like two and a half episodes and then episode four was like, they meet up again for dinner and they're like, you guys remember when we were on that island? Yeah, it was, that was fucked up. It was with those polar bears. And, like, you and the audience are watching it like, wait, I, is the show over? Like, I thought it was just still, like, how are they They rescued already? Like, what's going to happen? Like, something else is going to turn this into a TV show. I'm on episode seven of Big Sky, and nothing has come along to turn it into a TV show yet. And now I'm just watching maybe nothing ever will. Yeah, it's a little bit like it's just a dog chasing its tail. It's like these it's like these things happen and we're just like we're looking at these things that yeah. happened. No, like they're and, just gonna like resume their normal lives and I'm gonna watch Kylie Bunbury go to work for an hour. Like I feel like that's where this is going. <laughs> like they're just and, daring me, like now it's just a show about people who have jobs in Montana on get on board. The adventure is over. And the I, f- I found that you know the bad guys, even though I, I'm not a huge fan of the subject matter, the the characters are compelling. I didn't, 
I, I wish I could say I liked the, uh, the these the two lead female private investigators more. I, I found them just a little bland, a, a little bland. Catherine Winnick and Kylie Bunbury, they're they're these two women, and, and it does it does feel like the show at some point is going to fall into a groove where it's just they're detectives and they have this detective agency and they're looking into all i kept waiting for that like you think episode three or four it's like well they're going to get a new case and now it's going to be about their montana detective agency on board love it let's do it but it's not that they don't have any more cases it's just this one case that's over and like and then the, the sheriff keeps coming by and is like you ladies should leave that alone that case is over and i'm like i agree sheriff Maybe there's another murder that's happened in the state of Montana that these brilliant detectives could look into because we've sort of tied this one all up. Um, oh, and uh, w- one thing that just a just a little uh, kind of Easter eggy kind of thing uh, in, in this show. So you have these, the, uh, you know, there are three women in captivity uh, throughout the bulk of this show, and two sisters and a and a, uh, a sex worker from a truck stop. And in an in interesting wrinkle, a trans uh, sex well, worker. I, you, from, spoiler alert, folks. <laughs> well, not, not till uh, episode I thought, three. That, I, I thought they handled, uh, th- there's some interesting handling of the, well, it, in and of itself, I thought they handled some of the trans issues well, but then just making your only trans character a sex worker, is that problematic at all? They I don't also know. do Maybe that this is not thing. the place to litigate that. And but. it's like, look, I appreciate there's a trans character on a primetime network show. I know you want to have these conversations. That's terrific. More power to you. But you'd, you'd hope they'd find an organic way to lead into some of these conversations. Like, you literally have her talking about being trans and giving her perspective on life. Like, while she's kidnapped and being held, she's, like, chained to a floor in a shipping container. It's like, I, I don't know if this is the context where she'd be like, let me open up about my perspective on gender. Why? Yeah. Why can't we, you know, why can't we have a trans private investigator or why can't we have a trans cop or something? It's it's a little bit it's a little bit like, OK, maybe this is a later in season one when she's not chained to something and we can have a more of a back and forth. Um, yeah. So that aside. I thought it was uh, interesting that we have these women in captivity, but. Uh, also, one of the characters uh, in the show is the woman who was in captivity in Silence of the Lambs. Yes, uh, not she's not playing one of the women in captivity in this. That she's no much older, but um, yeah. she's a different character, right? But she's Senator Martin's daughter who's kidnapped in Silence of the Lambs and being held. You know, it puts the lotion on its skin. That girl. So there's a real theme of women in captivity. <laughs> Unfortunately, or on but, the uh, on the plus yeah. side, uh, the sky is very big, huge, huge. You might almost say. Oh, I mean that title, not a misnomer, not a misnomer. Uh, and you know what, Lon? They call Montana Big Sky Country. Well, there's actually, I believe it's the name of the town that this is near as well. There's a town called Big Sky. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. There you go. Lon, I mentioned that the, uh, the, the one of the characters has a real quirky, bizarre, Norman Bates-like relationship with his mother. And I feel like it gives a real bad uh, name. It, it shows mama's boys in a real bad light, Lon. And for the sake of equal time, I wanted to invite a mama's boy on the show 
to, uh, you know, just let us know what what's good or, or show us the other side of being a mama's boy. So uh, welcome to the show, self-professed mama's boy, Lorne Garvin. Lorne Garvin. Hi. Hi, Hal. Hi, Lorne. Hey, Lorne. Welcome to the show. Um, Oh, it's it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, uh, good to see you, Lorne. Uh, I see you have a little. Uh, what 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 would you bring for us? Oh yeah, I have a I have a list of six six reasons why Mama's boys ain't so bad. C- can I share them with you? Please, I... let's hear it. All right. Number one, they love their moms. That feels like that one almost goes without saying, but all right. Well, not. I mean, hey. He, he, there's nothing wrong with loving your mom, right, Lon? That 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 seems to be your thesis. Let's yes. proceed from that. Number two, they never skimp on Mother's Day. Champagne brunch, flowers, a spa day. I'll, I'll save up all year. I'll I'll, I'll 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 drain the bank account for Mother's Day. And you know what? If you don't have money, you can just make a collage for your mother of pictures of the two of you that you've accumulated over the years. This or, is less uh, how uh, to. Like why mama's boys ain't so bad, and more just like how to be a mama's boy. You got a problem with mama's boy? I, I just I thought we were going to discuss some of the, the the positives of being a mama's boy. I haven't I haven't really heard that yet. Yeah. Okay. Here, here's another one, Lon. They are willing to defend their mother's honor. If you offend my mommy, I'll run you over with my Hyundai accent. No. Oh. I hear you. I would not. I've not. I've not met your mother, so I wouldn't have anything personal to say. What, I mean, what, what would you say if you met my mother? I'm sure she's. I'm sure she's lovely. Listen, I'm sure she's lovely, Lorne. I, I don't mean anything personal. Uh, I'm just. Uh, you call her Mrs. Garvin. I'm, I'm. I'm just curious if you feel like there are benefits for yourself or for the rest of us uh, that are, are, are emanating from your devotion to Mrs. Garvin. Oh yeah, there's an absolute here. Number four. Uh, my there's a, the, one of the benefits is that my mother will never suffer empty nest syndrome because I'll always be in, be there. I'm staying put. So a lot of benefits for Mrs. Garvin. She's clearly making out from this deal. We don't make out. We've never made out. But you said that like I I wouldn't presume that you had. I mean, I mean, it's, oh, okay, okay, good, good. Number five, Mama's boys love cobbler. But I mean, I, I, I non certainly non mama's boys also allowed to enjoy a nice cobbler. My mother makes the best cobbler. Okay, it's it's, it's a, who doesn't like cobbler? Listen, but you've never had you've never had proper cobbler if you haven't had my mother's cobbler, Mrs. Kelly Garvin. Okay, Mrs. Kelly Garvin. What 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 would you say is so special about your mom's cobbler? Like what what is what what's the ingredient? What's she adding that other people aren't doing with their cobbler? It's crumbly. And and all the crumbles mix with the ice cream when the ice cream melts over it, Lon? I thought you were going to say the secret ingredient was love. She doesn't put anything weird in the cobbler, Lon. Okay. It's just food ingredients, Lon. <laughs> that makes sense. That You know what? Unre- What's in your mother's cobbler? What's in your mother's cobbler, Lon? I don't, my mother's never made a cobbler. I don't, honestly, I'm not. Well, then maybe you should shut your fucking mouth then, Lon. Okay, That's, Lauren. Wow. Uh, it's. Yeah, we have it's a getting, friendly podcast. Yes, uh, are you are you about done? Okay, I have one more. I have one more one more thing. Finally, why Mama's boys ain't so bad? 
Mama's boys are always willing to bathe their mother. Yeah, you're you're a grown man. Is this, is she injured? Is it like you have to? No, she needs help. No, no. I mean, just as a little special end of the day treat, okay. draw the bath and then take a nice loofah. Hell, you, Hell, can you, Lon, Hell, can you Lon, step in here Lon, for a second? Lon, Hell, Lon. Hell, can, can, yeah, can, can yeah, you come Lon. in? I'm afraid we're we're yeah. violating. I believe sort of Spotify has rules against this. Is this? Can we? Yeah. Can we check with Adam, Lorne, our producer? Yeah, I'll 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 circle back with Adam on this. Uh, Lorne, uh, we're gonna have to ask. Okay, one second, please, Lon. You're telling me, look me straight in the eye on this Zoom and tell me you have never loofed your yeah, mother's right, back. I'm cutting this off. I'm cutting this off right now. I I, I feel Ooh, that, like uh, listen. Thank you, Lorne. Okay. I feel like this is so what got Pornhub in all this trouble. They had to delete most of their archive. Wow. I want to keep yes. things, boys. The archive intact. That, I don't want us to. That got a little. Uh, listen, I thought he was going to come in and say, Mom, "Mama's boys were upstanding citizens." I thought, yeah, like and they we do... listen. We recently had a vice president who was a mama's boy. You could do. You could achieve yeah, they, great things. Yes, and they they're like Boy Scouts and stuff like that. But no, that got creepy. That went to like the that shades of Joaquin Phoenix giving his mother. And a I would just like to the add Joker there. That Yikes! This was a stepmother scenario. This fantasy was based at that. That that was a stepson stepmother scenario, not a real mother and son. And for anybody listening who might be with a some sort of a government agency, yes. Um, and the views of Lorne Garvin, self-professed mama's boy, are not those of the binge yes, boys. Yes, please. The binge boys corporation disavows all all of that. Yes, um, Lon. Sorry, you had. Can to Can I also up. ask how just between between us we could take this offline, maybe if you want? Where are you finding some of these special guests? How are they getting in touch with you? Because I I worry about that email account now. I feel like you should maybe shut it down. I mean, I'm in some chat rooms. We'll talk about it offline. We'll we'll uh, we'll we'll, we'll talk. I mean, you know, I, I belong to some subreddits. <laughs> Listen, I, I've been telling you about that eight coon account for a long time. It's going to get you in trouble. Lon, you can check out Big Sky on Hulu <laughs> if you're interested in a I'm weird I'm sure ABC journey. Studios is delighted with this call out. <laughs> like, if you love if, incest, if, check out Big Sky only on ABC if, and Hulu. If, if, if you want to... Check out the modern day equivalent of Norman Bates and his mother, Big Sky on Hulu. It's a, it, you know, huge yeah, it's, sky. It's a weird watch. Enormous, oh. enormous sky. Not a misnomer. The sky Fucking is large. Giant sky. Lon, that is. Those are all the shows we've. Those watched. are all the so shows. Let's, let's, That's it. There's no more shows. Let's 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 put a button on this. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, hoot hoot, Owl Nation. I want to thank the folks over at Starburns, and I want to thank our producer who puts up with uh, weird things like the Mama's Boy, Lauren Garvin, Adam Macias. Thanks, Jason K, for our rockin' theme song. Lon, please tell folks where they can find you. Oh, find me on Twitter at. L-O-N-S, that is where to do it. Uh, also, you can read all of my thoughts on Big Sky and incest, just those two topics, on the Inside Streaming newsletter, inside.com slash streaming. That's where to find You can find me on Twitter and Instagram, at Hal Rudnick. And actually, Lauren left me a, 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 little, uh, a little package of cobbler here, Lon, so... 
a package of cobbler. I, I mean, it's packaged. He left you a unit of cobbler. A unit of cobbler. What would you have said if you had cobbler? A, a what? A container? A Tupperware? Uh, a piece of cobbler. Lawn. Damn it. Cobbler's like a cake, right? But, oh, he left me a container of cake. Oh, a piece of cake or a slice of cake or a cake. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye-bye. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch in the fuck out of shit.